We have a lot of hours of content here on Riverside Chats now. Our backlog has over 100 episodes. We're expanding into live events, and we have an exciting future for the show that we hope to be able to get to you. To make the show as good as it can be and to continue to give you the kinds of conversations that you listen for, the reason why you subscribed in the first place, to hear coverage of arts, ideas, politics, whatever it is that brings you here every time, please consider becoming a supporter of the show by making a sustaining monthly donation of $1, $5, whatever you can afford, and really whatever you think the show is worth, which maybe is zero, in which case, ouch. But okay, if you are interested in becoming a supporter, please look in the podcast notes. There should be a link in there that you can find that gives you all the information you need. Otherwise, thank you for considering supporting the show, and more, more importantly, thank you for listening. From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with author, radio host, and public intellectual Kurt Anderson. This is really enraging and depressing in various ways. But, but it is, in a certain way, comforting to know that it didn't just happen 12 years ago. You know, that, it, that it's who we are. And if that helps us figure out better how we can deal with it. And in the case of evil geniuses, which I really wrote to sort of explain to my children's generation, that like in the ways that you think everything is bad in terms of the unfairness and injustice of American life, it wasn't always this terrible. It was made worse in the last 50 years, and in the same way that it was made worse in the last 50 years, it can be made better. Anderson discusses how he formulated his theory of American history around the concept of fantasy land and what diagnosing the past can tell us about America's potential future. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. Welcome to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. If you listen to this show regularly, maybe it's clear that I'm often confused and stuck when trying to understand how the world became the way it is, and the more difficult question of how do you solve any of these problems that we talk about here on the show. Sometimes the answer can be found through learning history or cultural theory, or even just through processing popular art of any given time. And really all of this has been the multifaceted, lifelong project of my guest today, Kurt Anderson. Anderson is from Omaha. He left and went to Harvard. He now lives in New York, where he co-founded Spy Magazine. He wrote for Time, New York Magazine, The New Yorker. He's written several novels. He hosted Studio 360. He had a podcast last year called Nixon at War. But most of what we talk about today has been his recent two-volume history of America. Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, and Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America. Both of these are out now wherever you get books. And here is my conversation with Kurt Anderson. I'm from Omaha originally. And I've grown up here. Most of my worldview was formed both through living here and then just sort of what I've consumed by being here. Uh, and I, I don't know. Like I, I related a lot to sort of your whole project, especially as someone who's listened to Studio 360 a lot when I was younger, uh, to this sort of – I don't know, obsession about understanding why our culture is the way it is, which can be never ending. And there's all kinds of theories and just so much like an infinite amount of culture to consume. But uh, I don't know. Understanding America is something that I, I, I gravitate back and forth between thinking it's very, very complicated and so simple that we struggle to understand how simple it actually is. And we'd maybe reject its simplicity. But before we get into some of the big issues that you've been dealing with, I wonder, just because I've, I'm an Omaha person as well, how much of your body of work and this attempt to understand the world around you stems from experiences you had 
as a young person growing up in Omaha? Was that the root of any of it? Uh, I think it's a root of a lot of it. And um, I think, I mean, both fiction and nonfiction, actually. And certainly with with uh, these last two books, I could, I could go through them, the, the nonfiction books, you know, Fantasyland and Evil Geniuses. I could go through them <laughs> if you wanted any time and we could, it would take many hours but no I, I could actually I could I could show I could tell you and explain like this this idea or this this take on this or this framing of this wouldn't have had this uh coloration if not for the fact that I grew up in Omaha Nebraska and, it, and certainly if not for the fact that I grew up in Omaha Nebraska in the 1960s and 70s as I did you know so yes I mean for instance, I mean, I, I, the, the, one of the things that, that spawned Fantasyland was my sense of, for all of the religiosity and piety and church-going nests that I was around me in Omaha, Nebraska, growing up, um, this idea of of people bringing their religion into the public sphere just pretty much didn't exist, and and of people. Look, you know, being Christians, being unchristian, and and politicizing their religion didn't exist. So I think without that experience around me of this other kind of Christian life of republicanism, my parents were Republicans, and so many other things. Those are just examples, small, you know, couple of examples of of things that had I not experienced a different way that the world was set up. Uh, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have then had a thing to figure out. Like, wow, why did this change? Why did this become so different between my youth and now uh, in places like Nebraska? Well, even outside of the context of Fantasyland and Evil Geniuses, I feel like so much of your body of work, especially you know Studio Three Hundred and Sixty, is kind of a way to connect so many different cultural dots and see where the intersection of art and history and everything, uh, you know, basically what can that illuminate about our society? And I wonder for you, was there, was there something about being, you know, when you were younger, I don't know if it was when you were, uh, you know, sort of before college or if it happened when you left Omaha, but what was the moment where you had this sort of like critical uh, quicksand that drew you in and you never seemed to get out of and it's just sort of like these constant explorations and this uh, commitment to understanding our strange world? Well, I mean, I, I, I was curious. I read. I, I, I loved, for instance, going to the da- old downtown closed in the late 70s Omaha Public Library when I was a little kid. I would take the bus from West Omaha just to hang around downtown and specifically the library down there and wander around. So, I, you know, I was a curious kid. And and um, and uh, I, I, I maintained my curiosity and 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 uh, the, the sort of two professions I, I thought about uh, as I grew up, you know, went to high school, went to college, was either some kind of writing and, and journalism specifically, because you could get a job doing that as opposed to getting a job writing novels, uh, uh, or or academia. And I and I decided pretty early on in college that academia probably wasn't for me, and that that uh, the curiosity that could be indulged. Uh, through through writing and 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 through journalism was was more was something I, I I you know I thought I was pretty good at and people told me I was pretty good at so I thought oh this is a way to 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 do that and to do that as a job and and so I I you know I blame my parents I blame the schools I went the schools I went to and teachers I had for for 
for making, you know, I won't say learning because that sounds sort of boring and, and homeworky, but like indulging my curiosity seemed fun. And like no play and the play of that and the work of that seemed identical. So I, yeah, that was certainly instilled in me as a, as a child and as a young person for in whatever, in all those ways, for sure. I mean, does, does curiosity though, I don't want to get too dime store Freudy here, but just like, does that come from oh, a, <laughs> does it come from a confusion? Like just looking at the world and it doesn't quite make sense. And so you want to dig a little deeper so that you get it. Or was it just kind of like a, a sport almost? Uh, I would, uh, I, I would go more, whatever the option one of the two options was <laughs> more like that. It wasn't really a sport. I mean, I would say things became more sport-like because I never had any actual interest in sports, Cornhusker and football and otherwise, uh, growing up. And so uh, there, there was, there, there has become uh, politics. I am interested deeply and profoundly in the political nature of America. However, I, I confess that it, it has a sports. My, my, my interest in politics these days has something like a sports fan interest but no it was it was more like how, why is this like this how is this like this about everything and and uh um you know i i wouldn't say confusion just more like huh why is that that way and why are people this way and why did why do certain things change in this way and also frankly after you've been alive as long as i've been alive you you have a you have the capacity i think just having seen actual history, you know, once once you're 50 or over 50, as I'm far over 50 now, uh, you get to, you know, history, which is a kind of abstract notion when you're 20 or 30 even, you know, but you begin to sort of sense the curvature of that once you've been around a half a century or more. And so, um, uh, you know, and that's when I, in addition to Studio 360, which I started when I was, you know, we started doing when I was 40 something, um, I, I feel like, the parts of my my work you're talking about are are, are sort of the result of both, as I'm saying, you know, what wh- who I became, the person I became when I was young, but but essentially combined with being being having had enough miles on the tire to sort of, you know, make draw have insights that I feel are worth sharing, you know, um, uh, as opposed to other work I'm very proud of that I did when I was younger, like Spy Magazine, which uh, was more about, you know, uh, the, 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 the work of youth, which is simply seeing grotesque hypocrisy or inconsistency and pointing it out and trying to be funny about it. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Kurt Anderson, author of the two-volume history of What Went Wrong with Our Country, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, and Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America both of which are available now wherever you get books. What do you think? Can America overcome its addiction to entertainment? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. That, that's kind of an interesting uh, strategy, which I wonder, as, as we maybe move into some of the ideas that you land on in Fantasyland and uh, Evil Geniuses, which is this idea that show business is kind of the center of maybe the American identity in some ways. And also it can be harnessed, uh, you know, sometimes for maybe envisioning or pushing us to directions that we maybe wouldn't have envisioned or thought about if we didn't have that element of boldness that Fantasyland takes. But then also it can be weaponized, right? That show business oftentimes in our culture 
has been weaponized. And certainly as someone who's grown up in Omaha, for me, you know, just hearing talk radio all day long, it's pretty yeah. easy. Like, you can't really escape a weaponized show business. Uh, like, what, what, when did you first encounter that and maybe start to intellectualize it? Well, that's a very good point and well put. I mean, and I think of, even though fantasy, as you say, is significantly about how uh, the, the blurring of fiction and reality that happens and is weaponized is, is a dangerous and toxic thing. And that's really, yeah, a major subject of that book. I also still maintain that that whole aspect of America, what I call the fantasy industrial complex and all of that, you know, uh, dream the impossible dream stuff has had and continues to have its good side. I mean, I, I think of what, what I, I've written some about quite a bit about here over the years about technology and science. And it's interesting to me how frequently science fiction and, and things like Star Trek were, were was the thing that inspired young technologists like Steve Jobs and like all kinds of people to to you know, do interesting and great things. And so it has its role in that way. Um, um, and, and lately, I, I, even though, again, Fantasyland was about how the, the merger between presidential politics, certainly, and, and show business, starting, you know, in the, really in the age of TV, from Kennedy to Reagan to the former guy, uh, Trump, um, has has become pro- really problematic in many ways. However, then I see somebody like President Zelensky in Ukraine, who was a television comedian playing president of Ukraine a few years ago, and whose whose inner, whose inner circle are were actually TV showrunners and are colloquially called showrunners in Ukraine. I mean, that shows you how successful, for in my view, the good um, that that kind of merger of of entertainment savvy and and political leadership can be so it's a it, you said at the beginning is it all simple or is it all complicated well like everything important in life it seems to me it's both <laughs> well you you seem to have figured out pretty early on that there is something about art about spectacle about show business i mean you gravitated toward it in a lot of professional ways and a lot of professional directions uh i mean how did you start to understand that art can achieve these things both for good and for bad uh that's a good question i mean i i was as a as a young person uh I, film uh sort of uh, blew me away once once i was of a certain age, you know, uh, once I was 14, 15, 16, 17, and, 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 and uh, our ratings back when I was a kid in 1968, 69 had just begun and didn't keep you out of movies if you were 14 years old. So I could see The Graduate and I could see Carnal Knowledge and I could see Catch-22 and, and, uh, and, and I could see movies that Mike Nichols didn't make, but, but, <laughs> but lots of, lots of, lots of great films at that time. And then Z and all kinds of things that, were were not necessarily political, but in some cases they were, but certainly social and political, and and uh, uh, re- really, you know, I you know I'd always watch TV and like TV, but but great film back then when when it could it did things intellectually and culturally that were so much greater than were done on TV. And for instance, 2001: A Space Odyssey, which came out when I was 14, which is in some way I think perhaps the perfect age, or at least it was for me, to see that film and be transformed and blown away by it. So I, I would say 
uh, you know, movies. And, and, and that movie, 2001, I saw at this fantastic theater that some of your older listeners in Omaha will remember called the Indian Hills Cinema, which was Cinerama and around theater. And it was extra huge screen. It was extraordinary. So that was really the moment when I, when really it was introduced in a certain way to the power of art. I, I, I around that same time, I, I was starting to read books. I was reading Tom Wolfe's uh, great book, um, uh, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. That was a, had a big influence on me. I was reading Hunter Thompson's Journalism in Rolling Stone. That had a big influence on me. So all that stuff uh, led me to think about art and culture, you know, in, in a way that, that was beyond just, you know, watching Leave it to Beaver every afternoon or The Rifleman and enjoying it. Um, uh, and then, you know, visiting my older siblings in college and, and sort of getting a sniffing the, the intellectual world, you know, uh, hanging or being their little sidekick, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of ways, the way people do, you know, kind of grow up and see the power of, as you say, the power of spectacle and the power of, of, of uh, art and, and, uh, and, and how, especially I think what's really happening then, how art in this high art way and, and pop culture, the, 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 the boundaries between those really right at my, you know, as I was growing up, as I was going through adolescence, was blurring in, in, a, in a way that was pretty, pretty great and, and made the, the whole world of, you know, media and entertainment a kind of alluring one for me as a, as a you know, professional uh, place to try to get to. I do think it's interesting how, you know, that new Hollywood era uh, is this opening moment, especially for someone at the age you're talking about, you know, 14, 15. And I think Pauline Kael calls movies a convenient art. And I think uh, that's it's, the convenience is something that, again, I think can work both ways, especially as television for someone like Neil Postman becomes sort of this boogeyman. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, you almost need it to be convenient to draw people in to think critically, too, right? I don't know. I don't know that if movies and TV have that same impact now. Or I notice, like in your trajectory, it's kind of gone more often in a nonfiction way, whether that's podcasts, whether it's radio shows, or these books. I mean, does the power of film and TV? Do you think it even has that kind of efficacy anymore? Well, it's it's a great question, and and the convenience, of course, is an interesting way to look at all of this stuff because of course the internet is trumps so to speak trumps television and film and certainly you know in its in its convenience and it's 24 7 always onness it, it's it's it is more convenient to stream films and to release films uh by streaming so therefore uh half as many people go to movie theaters today as they did 10 years ago um so so it's convenience that's Trumping slight the slight inconvenience of of a film and television or certainly film, and and I, I still think I mean powerful things can still be done in these media. And in fact, it's interesting that you mentioned yes, I have in these last certainly in Studio Three Hundred and Sixty, but I was writing novels while I was doing that, and then and then uh, with these two history books, that was that was as it turned out this this kind of in my work a kind of the most you know, kind of real swerve into into nonfiction that I've done, you uh, know, you know, you know, for whatever the last seven years, eight years, uh, since since I kind of left journalism and started doing fiction and trying to trying to write TV and movies, and I'm now swerving back. I, my last year, I've spent on a on a on a 
entirely scripted fictional project that actually has just gotten shot and is actually going to be released. Uh, hallelujah. And, and starting work on a, on a new novel. So, uh, you know, I, and, 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 and again, the, 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 the filmic thing, the quasi, I, I hesitate to call it cinematic. That seems so grand, but the, this thing I just have been working on uh, is all about, you know, trying to change the world a little bit uh, in an entertaining way um, with, you know, uh, actors and scripts and stuff. So I, I, I still think it's possible. You just have to, you know, at this time of, 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 great change and confusion and maybe all times are times of great change and confusion um trying to figure out how to do it so that uh the youths maybe want to watch and and how to get it out there so that people and including the youths maybe want to see it and can and and it's it's uh you know i i have been very lucky and i continue to be very lucky in just having the opportunities to try to do that so i i yeah it's not it's not it, it it, it is not 1975 anymore. And, and uh, when I was first, you know, turned on to the, the possibilities of, of all of this, of both of journalism through, you know, all the president's men and to film through, uh, you know, I don't know, badlands, let's say. Uh, but uh, I think having an effect on people in, in the, with these, by, by means of these things that I've been lucky enough to do are, is, is still possible just because, you know, yeah, TV and, and movies uh, are, are at this point in a certain way outmoded. And of TV or the Internet, let's say, let's distinguish it from TV in all of its, in all of the toxic ways that social media is can be a terrible thing. You know, the, the Internet is still, you know, it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. And, and there's never been a truer uh, first passage of a, of a book than, than Dickens in that regard. I wonder, I mean, do you feel like when you're writing fiction or you're writing nonfiction, it's still exploring a lot of these same ideas, same ideas, still has sort of that same potential to maybe get people to engage critically the way you used to with Mike Nichols films and non-Mike Nichols films? Uh, like, or, or is there a tension maybe? Do they, do they uh, scratch different itches for you? Well, that, that's a great question. You know, I, you know, I think lots of people, uh, writers, artists, whomever, uh, end up effectively doing the same thing over and over and over again in different ways. And, 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 uh, and, and I, yeah, I, I could, if, if I were writing a paper about all of my work, I could see all the connections between the fiction and the nonfiction, but, but yeah, there are certain stories one, one I feel are, are best, uh, told, uh, in nonfiction ways and certain ones that I, at least I think I can tell better fiction. This I I'm, the book I'm now beginning to write as a novel could have been, in fact, a third book in a nonfiction trilogy with fantasy and evil geniuses. And I just decided, nah, it's well, it's set in the future for one thing, so it couldn't be because it's 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 not a history. And 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 given that it is by its nature, among other things, speculative, I decided no. I, this should be. This should. I, sh I should figure out characters who can carry this story and tell this story. But will it be a way of looking at at America and 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 society and and history and the future and all all of the stuff that and art and everything else that I've I've been um, trying to 
chip away at for all these years. Yeah, it just it will be a novel instead of a instead of a nonfiction book. Well, so okay, looking forward is is actually something. I'm actually uh, I'm excited to hear there will be some version of a part three because I love the two books. But I mean, it, it makes me want to ask sort of uh, as far as your speculative vision. Because each of these books were written, uh, what, Fantasyland must have been four or five years ago, Evil Geniuses a few years ago now, too. Uh, how the ensuing years have maybe shifted your idea of the trajectory we're on. I know you you like to be optimistic, generally, whenever I've heard you do interviews. And I don't know if that's because we all kind of have to choose to be optimistic or else what else are we going to do? Or uh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you if you really feel like uh, the trajectory we're on maybe has all these has the promise that can move beyond some of the the nightmarish scenarios that people like to dwell in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, really, as I as I said, really, at the end of Fantasyland, especially, but in both of these books, I mean, they are they are they are kind of I think by my nature, I they are they are not wholly pessimistic. They are people are people are bummed out by it when they read them. And I was bummed out to do the thinking and writing that led me to where they are and the discoveries I made and try to share with people. So they're not, they're not, uh, uh, they, they are 51% up or, or they, they, they do not say despair all ye who come here, give up. What's the use of living? No, they, I, I, I see, I find glimmers of hope where I can find them. You know, it's it's there's something to have written Fantasyland, um, which people all took to be uh, oh I see it's 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 about Trump it's about Trumpism it's about you know the post truth world and I uh, boy you got that out quickly well no in fact I, I before any of any of those words including President Donald Trump or post truth or post facts or any of that were were in the air I was somehow uh, uh, had the idea or ideas uh, to, 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 to work on this and to write it and to finish it, you know, in 2016. So it, it is both gratifying and, and disturbing to, to, to have, to have to written this book starting eight years ago and published it five years ago, that still seems so ever more timely. Right. So that that's, that's a, that's a good thing in my personal ego gratification and, and a terrible thing that it's true. So, uh, yeah, I have not gotten cheered up by, by, by the world of the last few years, but we have not stepped over the abyss, in my view, yet. It, again, being, being temperamentally, my default is a certain amount of hopefulness. Uh, I feel like could be worse. I'm more and more, I, I say to myself these days, could be worse. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's some solace and, 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 uh, for me, and I'm not saying what everyone should do, but for me, it is until there is no hope, uh, I don't give up hope. You know, I guess is my basic, uh, my basic uh, MO. I'm talking with Kurt Anderson, author of the two-volume history of how this country came to be what it is today. Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, and Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break. And 
and welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Remember, you can check out the backlog of Riverside Chats episodes wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your favorite app is. And while you're there, we'd love it if you'd give us a review. Today I'm talking with Kurt Anderson, who spent decades trying to understand America through its cultural and artistic history. His latest works are the podcast Nixon at War and the two-volume history of this country, Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, and Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America, both of which are available wherever you get books. Here is the rest of our conversation. Something that made me actually feel, I don't know if it's hopeful, and that might not be the right word, but I sometimes struggle with contextualizing the current time we live in with history, and things often feel so bad and so unprecedented, and even when they are, if there is a historical precedent, I sometimes struggle to understand how it would have felt in that moment, if it's the same, if it's different, if it's just sort of historical narratives that do whatever they do. But I think a a key difference between what you do and what Neil Postman does in Amusing Ourselves to Death is, I mean, you've got some overlap, certainly, but this idea that for him, it was really the move from us understanding the world through text to understanding it through visuals, through the image that starts this doom spiral uh, of constant entertainment and no more critical thought. But I think what a fantasy land is able to do is say that really that struggle has just been baked into the American experience for, I guess you say, 500 years, right? That uh, it's always yeah. been show business. It's always been fantasy land. And again, I, again, I don't know if that like makes me feel good exactly, but I guess it, <laughs> makes, it makes me feel that, okay, so maybe this is just the, the American experience and the American relationship to show business is evolving in some ways, but I guess maybe it's just always been this and maybe it will be this forever. Well, it, it is, I think, And it's not unique to America. If any of the listeners say, hey, this is not just an American. No, no, no. It's not unique to America, but it is it is defining of America in a way that it is no other nation on Earth. So I think it's it's what I think is and I don't think I put it this way in financial land. But what I've come to think is it was a it was a chronic condition that that has become acute. I mean, um, and and and, you know, any of us who anybody who's dealt with chronic illnesses. And and I think the 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 we, we do have to accept that it is a chronic condition and that we lived with it and that aspects of the chronic condition were were not all bad, um, uh, um, but they have become I think more bad than good in the last few decades. And I think one of the reasons, and and Neil Postman, it was all about television. For me, it's much more because Neil Postman died before there was an internet about. The, the new condition of the internet. And, and there are various people and friends of mine who say, Oh, you, you know, if, if you're all worried about the internet and all the, all of its bad aspects, you're just doing what people did about television. You're just doing what people did about bad comic books. You're just doing what people did 600 years ago about the printing press. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I, I really do think, I mean, I, I, because it's happened in my lifetime and I've seen it and, and I, and I grant all of the glories of, of, of the, the, this new technology give us, but I, 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 I feel like we, we are, you know, we have not yet begun in, and especially in this country to deal with its various downsides and 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 uh, and really problematic qualities and and they're really hard to do you can't just clamp down or outlaw or i mean it's really hard especially in a country like ours to figure out how how to deal with that so we'll see and i try not to 
as you know, have a moral panic about um, what what you know the the divisiveness and the and the falsehoods and all the rest that that things like Facebook um, enable. But you know, and 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 Fox News and others. Uh, it's but it's hard not to think, hey, this this is <laughs> this is not just you know, what we went through with television in the fifties and sixties, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's this 24 seven thing that, uh, that, uh, allows that, that, that have, I, you know, I, I don't, we don't have time to go into all the ways in which it's, it's newly <laughs> problematic, but it really is. And, and so we'll see, we'll see, but, but yeah, I think the thing that the, 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 the many people who read fantasy land and enjoyed it or, or evil geniuses, we're like, yeah, okay, this is really enraging and depressing in various ways, but but it is in a certain way comforting to know that it didn't just happen twelve years ago. You know that it that it's that it's that it's who we are, and 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 if that helps us figure out better how we can deal with it and how we and and in the case of evil geniuses, which I really wrote to sort of you know in a certain way explain to my children's generation if. And, and other people, but that like it wasn't always in the ways that you think everything is bad in terms of the unfairness and unjust injustice of American life. It wasn't always this terrible, and 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 it was it was made worse in the last fifty years. And in the same way that it was made worse in the last fifty years, it can be made better. It's just a long slog, and uh, you know the evil geniuses were geniuses and, and 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 kept at it and kept their eye on the ball, and that can be done again. Whereas the the problems that I look at in uh, in Fantasyland are really more endemic and have, as you say, have been with us from the very get go. And and uh, and and in that case, it's just a matter of 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 uh, not letting them get the best of us as they have, thanks to the internet, really, in the last uh, thirty years. So, I mean, a lot of the the evil geniuses in the book uh, are not necessarily the people currently doing a lot of the maneuvering i mean there's sort of like there's generations i guess of evil geniuses now do you right as far as the the current iteration of this many decade project with a specific right-wing agenda that you describe in the book do you feel like the whatever the whoever the current evil geniuses are 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 they better at harnessing something like the internet than uh whatever anyone else are they have they figured out something about it that other people haven't or is it just that they're so organized uh, I would say they they have figured out some things. They they have figured out the it's 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 to, virtually total unregulatedness is is a ripe place for them to do what they do, which is to say lie without uh, expectation of censure or 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 elimination from from the discourse. You know, there used to be for better and for worse gatekeepers. That, that I talk about a lot in Fantasyland to to keep out nonsense and lies and untruths, not completely, but 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 did a reasonable job in all of these establishments, in the religious establishment, and the political establishment, and the media establishment, from from for all of the downsides of all of those, you know, white supremacist, uh, misogynistic, patriarchal uh, establishments that existed. They also. Uh, did a reasonable job of keeping out craziness and lies. Um, so, um, uh, so they they figured that out a little bit. They've also, I think, I mean, 
my, my charitable view that I really describe in the last chapter of evil geniuses of, of, of today's evil geniuses, if you will, the, let's say the Mitch McConnells of the world, is that they, 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 it's gotten away from them. They, they, they've created this Frankenstein monster in, over the last half century, I think, that has gotten away from them. They, they, would, they would rather not it be, they want their money and their power and their wealth and, the, and all of that stuff to be what they've built in the last 50 years and sort of hijacking the economic system. But they, they, they did not sign up for the craziness that they have gotten. The, the, their Frankenstein monster has gotten away from them. I believe that's true. I don't believe that the plan has been to, to have it be come as, as full of violent rhetoric and potentially violent behavior even more violent behavior. Uh, I, I don't think they were they they were betting on it going as far as it's gotten, and 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 their their political vessel in the Republican Party of of getting away from them as much as it has. But they're they're putting up with it, and they're and they're and they're not most of them saying okay too far too far. Let's we've got to we've got to we've got to you know call a spade a spade and and draw some red lines and all that. You know mostly they're not doing that. Um, so um, we'll see how it all works out. But as you say, when when one looks back and tries to, you know, how does this compare to this time? Or how does this compare to that time? And and even at the worst, when you say, well, like, is, are we? Is this like Germany in 1931? Uh, and and of course, that used to be even an unsayable thing a very few years ago. Like, don't don't compare things to Nazis. Don't no. And, and 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 I kept I was part of and I would say the same thing. I, I, I think people played very fast and loose 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago with words like fascism. And and finally I realized that, you know, we, we've come a time when, you know, again, I try not to be hysterical. I try not to turn my fear meter up to eleven. I, I, I try to I try to stay even keeled, but it has gotten scary. And then even in that case though, I look and say, well, that only lasted what, twelve years? Germany was destroyed, yes, and the world had a horrible, horrific world war. But when people say, "Oh, this is gonna, this is the end of America, or this is the end of the world," well, it may be really horrible, and, and we may see, and maybe we ain't seen nothing yet in terms of the nightmare. But uh, I, I, I allow myself sometimes to take the extremely long view and say, "Well, you know, but not, you know, the, nothing lasts forever." And, and when, when my children say, oh, should we have children? It's so terrible. And I say, well, it is terrible. And the climate crisis is the real one. But on the other hand, you know, people had children during the Black Death. And they kept going. <laughs> so so, so it's, it's a question of how, how, how much I can keep the, the long view long enough to get over the, the despair that beckons at every turn, you know. Yeah, one one thing that I think is interesting as far as what we're talking about here, and in respect to the current generation of your evil geniuses, is I think about that uh, that Errol Morris documentary on Steve Bannon, and yes. his reference points for so much of his political philosophy and his vision for the future—they're all movies. Uh, it's all pop culture. It's not even history, yeah. really, for the most part. 
which maybe speaks to his specific understanding and his ability to harness media, right? But also it's maybe a shift away, again, from uh, sort of like an understanding of history, a shared culture of what even happened in the past to just all this kind of fantasy of what we see on the screen and the meaning that we make in our minds instead. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. And that's true. And, and a perfect in that way, a perfect Errol Morris subject, of course. Um, yeah, and, and when you say, what, what do these guys know, do better? I, I think the the kind of show business shamelessness that of of of, of some of them and 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 that oh fiction reality it's all in, intermingled and 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 fiction can tell a higher truth. I mean they don't many of them say Donald Trump don't speak exactly in that language, but that's the principle that they're operating on of this of of, of what has been a in my view, a pretty useful distinction between fiction and reality for many years. Yes, of course, they, there's, there's, there's blurry edges, and that makes for interesting nonfiction, new journalism of the last 50 years, and makes for interesting fiction. But when they become entirely blurry, and when people with political ill intent use, use that blurriness, that's where it becomes problematic, and, and the willingness to do that. And, and again, that show business and high, highly, the most highly rated cable news does that more than any other. That's where you get into. That's where you get into trouble. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Kurt Anderson, author of the two-volume history of how this country got to be what it is today: Fantasyland, How America Went Haywire, and Evil Geniuses: The Unmaking of America. Both of which are available wherever you get books. What do you think? Can America overcome Fantasyland? Are the benefits of Fantasyland worth preserving? Let us know what you think on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. I wonder how much news is effective in this specific type of culture war. You know, like I think about, uh, you know, obviously you've got your uh, very partisan cable news sort of wing, but then there's also people like, you know, Jon Stewart. Uh, Michael Moore, to some extent, were trying to do maybe some kind of like a counter show business to the sort of weaponized fantasy land. If anything, I know uh, Bannon has talked about being very inspired by someone like Michael Moore, and it seems like yeah. a lot of people are you know revisiting the the legacy of John Stewart as someone who was very popular during the Bush era, but most of what he was advocating for has not come to pass. And you know Tucker Carlson, John Stewart took him down. You know when he went on Crossfire. I don't know what the the media answer is if we think about like what would be a counter organized show business to what some of the evil geniuses have figured out. It's like they're not speaking the same language, and I don't know if maybe, honestly, fiction uh, is the answer. Maybe there will be more engagement there the same way the graduate worked for you. I mean, what do you think? I find it hard to believe that any given novel or movie, although then you look back and and see Uncle Tom's Cabin, when I'm about to say that no given work of fiction can have tremendous power and effect. Well, they have. There's there's historical precedent for that. I think one, one one of the... hands that that say the liberal side or the rational side or the reasonable side or the civilized side or whatever. Uh, One of the ways we uh, keep one arm tied behind our back is in our unwillingness to lie shamelessly. It's just true. And, 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 you know, if, if, if there were a conservative uh, and again, you tried to shift us away from talking about partisan cable news, but I'm going to bring us back. If, 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 if Fox news could be a conservative news channel as that was as had its point of view and was trying to get its point of view across 
but held also held itself to the standards of, of accuracy, more or less, that MSNBC holds itself, I'd be completely fine with it, but it doesn't. And so that's that's the difference. Our, it, the biggest single difference is, is and which isn't to say there aren't, there isn't nonsense and lies and crazy conspiracy theories and all the rest on the left. Of course there is. There has been, there is. But the asymmetry of its of it of it on the right versus the left is extreme, and that's the that's a difference. So it's not just about uh, using fiction in, in a way that's meant to be fiction or or spectacle in a way that is obviously spectacle versus being wonky and just doing policy positions and presentations. It's also uh, how far will you go in 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 you know, distortion and falsehood or not. And, 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 and uh, so far, you know, the, 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 the American liberals and left have, have, have not been willing to go as far as the American right has. And that's just true. And, and, and so, and that, that, that does make, make one, at least in the short term, less powerful because, uh, inciting rage and disgust and anger by any means, including making stuff up is, is, uh, is, is, is what gets ratings and, and, and political mobilization. Right. Well, that's, that's the, the key problem that I, I, I feel like there's no real solution for, maybe somebody's figured it out, but which is punditry that's rooted in all these negative emotions or even just in, you know, for Postman to be pleasure. But I, I think about even like, uh, like there's that, that great documentary on Buckley, Vidal, those debates that they did. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, by Morgan Neville. Yes. Yeah. It's, and it's, I love it because it, it both makes its critique of sort of that shift from trying to truly be informative or truly engage in issues to this punditry that's rooted in hate. Well, also you as a viewer, you're just drawn in because it's so entertaining just to watch these guys hate each other. And, oh. and I, like, I love it. I love watching it. And also, so I'm part oh. of the problem, even though I can intellectually agree with what's wrong. And that, that's where I sort of get stuck with, like, you can't really roll back that we like to watch things that are entertaining to us. And the whole industry is really the entertainment industry, right? Like, there's not really a solution in news for that, is there? Uh, there's no instant solution. There's no overnight solution. But but again, as as I, you know, devote... As you know, like a chapter both in Fantasyland and Evil Geniuses, to compare comparing us to the rest of the developed world, and you know there is internet everywhere, there is television everywhere, there is partisan news everywhere, but it's it's kept within certain limits elsewhere in a way that that we don't do very well here and haven't done very well for a variety of reasons, and so which is to say that there's no Oh, let's make it good. Let's make it like it used to be. Let's make it Walter Cronkite again. No, of course, that's impossible. But there are other examples in the world in 2022 where it's not done as, where it's not as toxic and crazy and, 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 and uh, you know, rage inciting as it is here. And, and so there are models, you know, and, and, uh, and so that again, I that I mean that doesn't necessarily give me hope that we're going to become Finland tomorrow. But there's Finland, 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting too, and you know, it's not like it's a huge, hugely different turn for you, but that you've you've got Fantasyland, you've got Evil Geniuses out there. They're still uh, being talked about. Obviously, I invited you on the show because I'm still obsessed with these ideas. Uh, but you, you've moved now into you've moved back to fiction. You've moved back to sort of like. Uh, maybe letting your nonfiction version of these takes, your uh, sort of provocation of some of these ideas, uh, you know, in the very direct form, let that simmer, let it do what it's going to do. And now you've turned to uh, a different medium, and I assume to explore a lot of the same ideas, and especially in this third speculative fiction volume that you're working on. Uh, Was that just because you wanted to sort of go back to that? Or do you think at this point, maybe in the years that have happened, the years that have ensued between uh, the publication of Evil Geniuses and now, that people maybe are more responsive to these provocative ideas through fiction, through art, than uh, a direct form? We'll see. I, you know, maybe. Uh, I, I don't. I don't really look at it in that way of like what will be most effective for these ideas now. I, you know, I just do what kind of. I mean, you said it was scratching an itch. I think earlier. I mean, what what itch I want to scratch? How is 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 not really very strategic. And and you know, uh, as it turned out, I mean, I, I only intended. To, I had one big set of ideas for a book. Now it's fantasy land, and so I wrote it. And as I finished finished it even as it came out i i kind of realized that it was really essentially the first volume of a two-volume history of america that i had in mind and the second volume was what i wrote about in evil geniuses so one was about more about the culture and the long history of america and one was more about politics and economics and the recent history of america and they were effectively a two-volume history and then i was kind of done yeah i could have I could go on and like, oh, they're successful. They were bestsellers. They're still selling. Maybe I should do another one. But I honestly felt like I've kind of said what I have to say in terms of anything that I think I, as a reader, would be interested in reading rather than just trying to, like, get another – keep doing it. I mean, I, I don't consider myself abundant. I mean, I, can, I do that. I go on television. And I Others would call me that. But, but I just felt like I kind of had what I had to say about – in a nonfiction way about these things. And like, I'm proud of them and people respond to them. They still respond to them. And you, you are kind enough to have me on to talk about them. But like, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I just feel like making up stuff after seven years of, of not making up stuff and writing a book about the dangers of making up stuff (laughs) in the wrong years. I feel like, uh, uh, well, with this particular, I mean, this this particular speculative future, I mean, rather than speculate non-fictionally, I would rather do it fictionally and have the the the, the ways you can get in people's heads and in, in the subtleties of things that, you know, you can be subtle and interesting and get in people's heads, I suppose, in non-fiction, but it's a different thing. Yeah, it, obviously, it's different. And and this, this, this TV-ish series that I've just uh, made, the same way, it's... it's you know, it's 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 a wholly different thing, but also set partly in the future. And so um, there are different ways of doing things. And I just feel like I don't have I, I you know, I, I was not about to say, here's what the future will be, children. Uh, but but playing around and saying, here's what a future might be. And it may not be what you think it'll be. And it may be bad in ways that you didn't even anticipate and better in ways you didn't anticipate. Just seemed like a more interesting thing for me to do right now. Are these projects uh, completely under wraps? Are you able to talk about them at all? Uh, 
what the novel is barely started, so I don't start other than saying it's set in the near future in America. Uh, uh, not the near future, actually, like 15, 20 years hence. So whatever you think that might be, um, uh, that's what it is or might be. The the other thing I will be able to talk about soon, but not quite yet. But it will be it's it's I, 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 I've done it with famous actors and a couple of famous directors, and it's going to be available for free to everyone on the internets uh, in the first quarter, I hope, of 2023. That's what I can say about it. And it's, what is it? It's a, it's a, um, how can I tease it? It's a, uh, uh, it's a time travel satire. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I'm very excited uh, for that. Uh, I'm, you know, just Fantasyland and the Evil Geniuses are two books that really, for me, have helped contextualize a lot of things that I've I feel like I've been noticing elements of them, but I would never have been able to put language to them. So I really appreciate the the fact that you wrote these books, but then also that I got to pick your brain here today has really meant a lot. You're really a, a hero of mine as someone from Omaha who's done all this cultural exploration in so many directions. And this this has meant a lot. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, well, you both, because you're such a, uh, a, a an intelligent uh, appreciator of this work I've done uh, and that you're like me, uh, a guy from Omaha, where I just spent a delightful weekend last weekend at my at a high school reunion, makes me even happier about this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, this is amazing. Thanks, thanks, Kurt, and have a great night. Okay, you too. Bye, guys. Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 91.5 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. Remember, you can find a backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today, and please, please give us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock.